0: House of mystery presents inside writing the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres welcome back into the house of mystery I'm Al Warren of course we got David North Martino yes I'm here Jerry Springer died 79. Yeah, I heard that. Wow. Kind of a shock. didn't it? It is. That. So there you go. I, mean, I, I remember him from years ago. Oh, yeah. More than recent times. But I guess the show kept going and then he got onto a judge show, but I never really followed any of that. No, days, I didn't either. You know, but way back in the old days. Yes. I would, I would see him. Um, me too. Yeah, well, you know, it, it wasn't really my style, but, you know, I never put down anybody. He was successful for a long yeah. time. So. It was hard not to see stuff back then. <laughs> We only have like three stations. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you can get lost nowadays. We will be talking to an author here. He's got a uh, newest book out. It's called Hidden Cargo. It's a novel. Uh, let's bring him in. Mr. Robin Lloyd, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for inviting me
0: robin so um i know you've got a little bit of a history um kind of like as a journalist i guess and things like that how how did you get into writing books like how, what what brought on the change for you
1: well i had uh 30 years of working in broadcast news 15 of those years with nbc and then about five or six years doing local news and then i uh went from there to uh uh producing stuff for public tv at uh in, in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh so there was a range of experiences and I suppose uh some of the most intense were were covering the wars and conflicts uh around the world, Central America, Latin America, Africa, Middle East. Uh, so I saw my share of broken societies and I think that's what probably uh made me wonder what was it like at the end of our Civil War? I knew that would, there was, must have been lots of bitterness and lots of anger, uh, confusion, chaos, uh, but I, I had never really read a book that captured to me the pathos of what that end of the war was like. Yeah, so I started doing research, and, and uh, I knew I wanted to do a sequel to the um, earlier book, Harbor of Spies. I, I knew I wanted to continue with the protagonist there, Everett Townsend, Who'd been a blockade runner operating from Havana. And so I began researching Florida in 1865 and 1866 and discovered that it was indeed a fragile peace after the war. A type of Cold War, in fact, had emerged in Florida. Army soldiers who, interestingly enough, were, many of them were uh, so-called colored regiments, were kept in place to keep the stability. But what I found in reading sort of local news is that you already had the beginning of pushback uh, basically against the result of the 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 end of slavery and uh, so slavery was over but the fight to define freedom and equal rights for all was was just beginning and and I thought well that is the type of backdrop that I wanna dive into with the beginning of this book and so you know I had my character Everett Townsend and he had um, now become a, a lieutenant in, in the Navy uh, operating from Florida and had gone through two years of war in the Florida War, which was in effect like Vietnam. It was, uh, the, some of these boats were sent up the river to attack Confederate settlements and then they'd get ambushed. Um, so that was a calling to me, but I felt uh, that I was more interested in writing about the end of the war and this man coming to terms with what he'd been through. Uh, It was a way for me to understand what that war was like by uh, having him come to terms with it. His background was interesting in the fact that he had a connection with Cuba. So from the outset, I knew the centerpiece of the book's plot had to be about Townsend's return to Cuba. It had to be about him coming face to face with his own family's connection with slavery. He would fought to end slavery during the war. But now I wanted him to struggle with a more personal uh, interaction with slavery, that be with his family. And and, um, so he he would be getting involved in thorny topics like loyalty, betrayal, redemption. Like the country as a whole, this man was searching for the meaning of four years of war. Now, that was what I sort of set out to do, um, and um, I hope I achieved it. Uh, because it was, it, it was my attempt to to understand uh, the the at the end of the day, four years of fighting, what our country was like.
0: Well, one thing I, I just from living a while now, I realized that a lot of things, you know, the war ended and slavery was now gone. Legally, I got you know people no longer had slaves officially, but it takes a long time for society to grow into that new new law, new way of living. Those years that you're growing through that, there's got to be a lot of turmoil. How do you capture that sort of a feel in a book? Um, like where do, where do you get that from in order to have people understand um, the struggle that that was still going on?
1: Well, I I, I think you. Um have interactions which can help, uh, bring that forward. And, and, and uh, this book, what it attempts to do, uh, is to hear from all different voices of the time, uh, uh, not just, um, a Northern, uh, Union Navy sailor, uh, but also Southerners, um, who had fought with the Confederates and who had become disappointed with the Confederacy. And then of course, the African-Americans who, um, what their mindset was, as well as the Cubans. <laughs> That's why I chose Key West. Key West was this wonderfully diverse place in 1865, 2,500 people, uh, a small ramshackle town of lots of wooden buildings. Um, uh, you know, it was a, a, a seafaring harbor that was rough around the edges. And I thought, this is just the setting I want, uh, because they had, this interesting mixture of basically Southern, but it was uh, a lot of Yankee merchants, and then it had this mix of Union soldiers, Army soldiers, and and Navy men, because this was uh, headquarters of a naval fleet uh, during the war. Uh, In in addition, you had uh, fishermen from Cuba and the Bahamas, um, an established black community there, uh, all in all, it was, I thought a very great spot because of its diversity to begin a story about the end of the Civil War, uh, suggesting that where do we go from here?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting time period. Um, it's, it's really hard to deal with compared to now. You talk about having a, um, what you call a Cold War. How, how do you mean that?
1: Well, the interesting thing for me, it was actually, um, fascinating to come up, come across it that the 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 um, the department of war left behind colored regiments uh, so it was people of color in the army who were stationed around florida and in fact around the south who were left behind the the the, the uh, other soldiers um, were discharged but they had to have uh, an occupation by u.s. army troops and in many cases these were colored regiments. So you had this unusual situation where the Southerners who, who were trying to deal with um, so much, and the loss of their former lives and the change that came with the end of slavery, uh, in terms of authority, they were looking at, at, at a man with a gun who happened it might have been a former slave. Um, I found that absolutely fascinating that uh, that was the situation uh, in 1865, and I, I um, th- this book begins in the prison at Fort Jefferson on the Dry Tortugas. And there's a slight interaction there between Dr. Samuel Mudd, who was in prison there. Uh, who, he's the man who, who, who um, repaired the, the injury of John Wilkes Booth when he was attempting to escape. And Mudd along with others were sentenced to life in prison at the, this penitentiary out in the Dry Tortugas, a terrible place. Uh, so there's an, a little bit of an interaction there uh, with the central character, Townsend. And Townsend learns that uh, Mud has attempted to escape from this uh, penitentiary out in the ocean, and he was captured. Uh, he, uh, they found him, and they brought him back, and they asked him, why, did, why, uh, Dr. Mudd, did you attempt to escape? And he said, I thought all these African-American uh, or black s- soldiers around me would kill me. Uh, So it was fear that had made him try to do the impossible, escape from this penitentiary. But I thought that notion of fear was really what was behind not only um, uh, the Civil War, uh, but what came after the Civil War. Fear of what was going to happen to their lives now that slavery was over. And, And I thought I would try to put that in. Uh, uh, to the book, which I did, in, in chapter one.
0: So your your characters now are is are they all fictional, or do you have some real ones and mixed with fictional characters?
1: Uh, I mix and mingle uh, fictional uh, w- with real. Um, the real are not usually the primary figures in the book. The fictional ones are, but in, in doing historical novels, I think what gives um resonance to the historical novel is if you can, for the sake of veracity, um, use some real characters and weave your story accurately in with these real characters, uh, you, you enhance the, um, uh, as I said, the, the um, veracity of your story.
0: Well, how do you get into the minds of your historical characters, especially your fictional ones? Are are you pulling um, dialogue and stuff from what's been reported in in the papers of that time?
1: Um, My process of researching is I start with books uh, that tell me the the general um, uh, picture of the time. I then go to scholarly articles um, that are more specific on what I'm after. Uh, And uh, from there, I do a deep dive into newspapers of the time. Uh, So what does that do for me? Um, uh, In in this particular case, uh, I learned in Key West, and which was really one of the reasons why I wanted Key West as a way to begin this book, um, I learned that there had been a hurricane in October of 1865, that uh was just devastating to the state of Florida in fact created 2 million dollars worth of shipping damages so there were dozens of ships that wrecked on the coast of Florida and I thought this is such a metaphor for the the end of war that a hurricane strikes this part of the country and creates so much damage and and so the, the book begins with uh this navy lieutenant trying to survive in the middle of a hurricane and he comes across uh, a shipwreck and and in in the shipwreck when they go to investigate they find a horrifying sight of a cargo hold full of dead people there's one survivor and the one survivor basically um, sets the whole story in motion by saying we uh, are all freedmen from a plantation uh, up the Mississippi River uh, they took us from there we didn't know where we were going uh, but uh, th- we were trapped, and all all, um, all of them drowned except this one guy. And so that's how the story begins, and it sets in motion a mystery of what happened and how prevalent was this, and what did it mean? Um, you know, was this the beginning of a new slavery that was beginning? Some people in Washington thought it was, because these reports gradually grew, and, uh, they, they, uh, showed up in several newspapers and on testimony in the Hill with the Senator Sumner, who was uh, a radical Republican of some note, uh, virulently against slavery, said this is, uh, uh, threatening our country and is going to send us into a new slavery. These reports have come from everywhere. Texas, Mississippi, Louisiana. Uh, Florida, uh, and uh, we we uh, have a major problem on our hands. So once I read that, and then I saw that Secretary of State William Seward, this is an actual fact, uh, traveled to Havana, Cuba, for talks with the Spanish officials there, and he was there for two or three days, uh, I thought, well, this is really um, an issue that was of concern then, and it was very much of a, I, I think, the country trying to see Can we reconcile? Can we move on? Uh, This is a fragile peace we have. And in fact, Seward uh, at one point said, um, even in the beginning of what was called the Reconstruction Era, said we need to reconcile with the South. We have to find ways to reconcile with them. Uh, So I thought this dual theme of, uh, as we stepped into Reconstruction and we... um, dealt with the reality of how do we reconcile again this this story resonated uh, as something that uh, was significant in our history but was a forgotten chapter and nowhere had I ever heard anything about this so you know I thought this is it's like a re- a reporter uh, finding a, a story you know you you listen to a press conference or you go to some place and you and suddenly something happens and you say there's the story, and that's what happened to me.
0: Is, is there um, um, a subtext or a meaning that you have that you want people to get out of reading a book in this series or even the whole series? Is there something um, under the entertainment value of the story?
1: In uh, both the books, Harbor of Spies and Hidden Cargo, this young man is a, an intriguing character. He didn't come from any one person. He, he's a composite of... of uh, Character traits. He's an impulsive, headstrong, uh, moralistic in terms of the Emersonian qualities of, of that word. Very much a, a person from that time period, and he is given in life a contradiction. His uh, his family was divided by the war. His brother fought with the, the Lee's army and died at Antietam. His parents died during the war, and he's left with um, the only thing left. Coming out of the war is a Spanish grandmother who he had on his mother's side who owned a large plantation in Cuba with hundreds of slaves. And he knows, he feels obligated, that he has to go back to Cuba um, uh, to, because she's asked him to and he feels obliged to. But he doesn't want to do it. Uh, at the same time, he's conflicted because he has a, a, a lady friend who uh, has gone to Havana to live and they uh, had had a relationship but it hadn't worked out and he wants to try to get back together with her so you have this this man um being drawn to cuba um uh there are pros and cons but in his cards is he's going to confront his family's connection with slavery and he's going to have to deal with the moral complexities of of that um as someone who was opposed to slavery And fought against it. So it's very much a look of one man coming to terms with what uh, slavery has done to his family and what slavery that he perceives has done to society.
0: What does it mean for you when you write um, these books, when you put them together, done the research and actually get them published and stuff? Uh, Do you think there's a change in yourself?
1: Well, I think each book that you write, you, you explore different parts of your own psyche uh your past uh maybe memories maybe persons that you met uh maybe emotions that you've uh uh not recognized and they come out um maybe old fears that you had uh so writing books for me fiction as opposed to sort of writing a memoir or writing a history is is very much of a catharsis of uh, of of allowing stuff to come out of you that you didn't even know was in there uh so for instance for me I had a childhood growing up in St. Croix, which was an unusual childhood. Um, but from a very early age, uh, I, uh, was raised there and in a very much of a West Indian, uh, background. And my father started a dairy farm and a dairy plant there, but he and my mother bought, bought themselves a wooden boat and with their free time, they took me, um, uh, from island to island. I saw most of the Caribbean. Uh, uh from the, the the deck of a wooden boat uh, and uh, from an er- early age, so I uh, thus my interest in sailing um, uh, and I realized when I wrote my first book that I really uh, enjoyed writing about the sea and about the the effects of the sea on people, uh, uh, both the beauty and the cruelty of the sea. And I um, launched myself in a very unlikely way from, broadcast reporter to historical novelists doing seafaring th- topics uh, with with mystery and romance I- involved uh, it was an unusual twist uh, it, it happened because at, at a time when uh, I was sort of an- anxious to retire and on my last uh, job was doing uh, documentaries for uh, public TV in, in in Maryland I thought I do need to write this book about an ancestor of mine who was, a good friend of Charles Dickens, and who was an American Connecticut ship captain. And I didn't have enough in the way of diaries and memoirs, but I had quite a bit about the man's character, including stuff from Dickens himself describing the man. And uh, I had a mystery. It was a family mystery uh, that I found in researching this fellow, uh, that his uh, older brother had disappeared at sea, he wasn't dead, but he had disappeared, and I thought, well, that's a natural mystery. I've, I've got a story here, and I was encouraged uh, to write historical fiction. So try to do this man's story. It's uh, see explaining how he met Dickens and how they became friends, but also solving the mystery of his brother. And that that became the first book, which is Rough Passage to London. Um, so in each of these books, I try to find a real mystery, as something that that actually happened. And I try to weave this fictional story uh, into that mystery. So that's just my little quirky way of why I'm writing.
0: Is there is there um, something that surprised you when you're doing the research and finding? I mean, because you're, you're a newsman, you've kind of been out in the world and you've been around, but when you were looking into the history and trying to cover this in a book, uh, were there certain things that kind of came out that just sort of surprised you you didn't expect to hear?
1: Well, in terms of the research, I, I was completely blown away by um, what I discovered of this kidnapping because I I went into the National Archives, Library of Congress, and I I actually found uh, the handwritten notes from the um, American Consul in Havana back to Washington, uh, where he says uh, to to uh, the Secretary of State, um, we we have um, four hundred. People who have mysteriously been landed on an island off the north coast of Cuba. They've been put in jail. The authorities said they thought they were Africans, um, but they're actually speaking English. We think that these are kidnapped Americans that are here in Cuba. And, and so an investigation was asked for, um, from the Spanish, the Spanish in, in ca- characteristic fashion. Uh, denied that this was even a fact. They they said there are no such people, and no investigation, I guess, was ever done. Uh, But it was um, something that really took my breath away a little bit, that this kind of thing was going on, and that there apparently was nothing to be done, because the Spanish just closed the door and refused to uh, investigate. And and so that that was certainly one surprise. Uh, I, I, I hadn't expected expected to really get as far as I did in the research Uh, it's a mystery no one will ever know how many of these people were taken to Cuba but certainly uh, some scholars say from 12 to uh, 200 300 uh, are are suspected to have been re-enslaved in Cuba Uh, but no one will ever know that's just one of those things shrouded in mystery and I think gives a uh, an entryway for a historical novelist like myself to to, um, to try to find answers where history has not. And so that was one surprise. I think another surprise that I got um, was really understanding the Southern mindset. Uh, I, I didn't really understand before getting into this book that Southerners really did not feel that uh, they'd lost the war. I mean, the war had been lost militarily, but for them, um, it really wasn't over. Uh, and uh, that surprised me. I, I, you know, there was no sense of contrition. There was no sense of um, the end of slavery was a good thing. Uh, uh, life went on, but um, there was it went on with a huge chip on their shoulder. Of, of um, uh, wh- and it helps explain what happened subsequently. That the the the, the war, or the cause of the war, was never really addressed properly. Uh, Reconstruction did not do that. I don't know if it was possible. But in any case that was a surprise for me that that um we had that kind of mindsets. Uh, you know, for instance, uh I would have thought that Southerners might have been mad at Jefferson Davis or they you I know, might have felt that their uh the cabinet officials had not served the cause well. Not so if you read uh about what the what the the, the feeling was, they they were still fervently behind uh Jefferson Davis and and his cabinet. Um so that was a surprise Um uh... i guess a third surprise was the hundreds of uh... southerners who fled the country they went to mexico they went to brazil uh... they took their families they decided our country was no longer for them and and they just left uh... some of them went to cuba uh, so there there was this this real division that um, uh... uh... again i didn't realize just how um how how abrupt that was, and how difficult it must have been to reconcile the country.
0: Very interesting. Do, do you find that um, you need to take a lot of uh, literary license with this fictional story, to, to or or any of, within any of your novels to make the plot work, or you, you know, as in like compressing or expanding time, or um, uh, can you just follow the history pretty accurately to uh, to make that? The, the plot kind of uh, go where you want it to go
1: well I just use the history that I've researched some of which I've talked to you about now as a backdrop I don't I don't uh, put that in literally uh, uh, I try to um, tell myself that if an historian is reading this I, I'm hoping that they won't find fault with what I've written um, so I'm hoping that that the uh, historian, he may find flaws in, in what I've done, or he may say, well, that you know, he's taken a liberty there. And perhaps I have, but uh, I'm hoping that that's very minimal. I, I'm, I'm really uh, trying to squeeze fiction into an outline of history.
0: Yeah, and I can't, I can't help but think that a lot of the um, content or subject in your books, in your stories, um, though they happened over 100 years ago, still they could relate to today's time even even now.
1: Well, I, I think that's the beauty of writing historical fiction, is that uh, people really don't change. I mean, <laughs> you know, there are some mannerisms and there are some expressions that change, but our characters are the same, our motivations are similar. Um, so, uh, yes, I mean, uh, the beauty of historical fiction is, is we are they and they are us.
0: Yeah, it seems like we kind of have the same battles over and over and over. Each generation might do it differently, and they have different names behind it, but it's the same, same sort of acts over and over, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, wrote this book not with any um, concept of what we're going through today, but right. it was really about that time period. And, and I think, you know, I was motivated to do it because I'd seen so many broken societies with NBC – you know, I covered El Salvador, Nicaragua. I've been in and out of the Middle East. i would covered various civil wars in Africa. Um, uh, i would covered the the, the the end of the apartheid regime in South Africa, uh, and and so I'd seen divided societies. I'd seen um, you know the the hatred that comes from uh, one group oppressing another or one group ha- having battles with another and. And I think that was what drew me to the idea of what about our situation? And I suppose even though I wasn't directly uh, thinking of today's um, problems that we have, uh, I must have um, had that in me as well. Yeah,
0: kind of comes in waves anyway, you know. I, I also uh, you know one thing like how you say they never the south never really thought about losing the war per se or, or there's still still that kind of concept you know growing up in the 60s and 70s I, it, a lot of the movies and tv shows almost celebrated uh southern you know pride confederacy and stuff you, you quite often saw it in in television and and i never could figure that out considering they lost
1: well, I think if you read history, you can get an answer to that. Um, it, 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 The time period I am writing about is a very raw period where the, the loss is palpable. But over the decades, getting into the eight, late 1870s, which is not in my book, but um, reconciliation became more important than reconstruction for this country. And uh, the end result is that um, uh, all sorts of recreating, Uh, of the, the history happened. For instance, we had the Spanish American War, and that was an interesting war because you had Northerners, uh, ex Northern soldiers, ex Confederate soldiers fighting together for the first time under a common uniform, a common flag. You also had, um, uh, colored regiments. So you had black soldiers who had been stationed out west fighting Indians. That came into the Spanish American war. And what that did is it really healed the wounds that had been there all that time. And under the guise of reconciliation, I think history slightly changed. And, uh, we as a country acknowledged that the South had, uh, uh, uh their own cause, which they fought nobly for and that that needed to be recognized. And then you had Statues erected around the country um, for southern heroes, and that happened in the 1890s uh, or early 1900s And the result was history was redefined from the history uh, that I am writing about directly after the war Where reconstruction was the primary Primary mission of the federal government uh, By 1890 reconciliation had become far more important.
0: Yeah, it's pretty interesting um, when you get into that. How how many books do you plan on doing? Do you have this sort of mapped out in your head already,
1: or are you just kind of writing as you go? Whatever the publisher says. (laughs) (laughs) If if the publisher says he would entertain uh, 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 another book, I might start going in that direction. But, you know, if the publisher said, we've had enough of you, Robin Lloyd, I I guess I might... uh, Probably back off. I, I, I um, yeah. I think it's just you have to have uh, a publisher who likes you. I, and 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 if that, I've been lucky enough to have one so far. But uh, so I, if there's interest, I'll I'll think of another story to tell. Probably.
0: <laughs> it just it all depends on the backing, you know, and how that goes. So now, are you are you set up? Um, do you have like a website, social media accounts? Do you like to interact with readers? Um, how, how are you set up?
1: I do have a website. Uh, it's nicely put together by a lady in Camden, Maine, uh, and she, she uh, Camden Graphics. Uh, she's done a great job. I don't really – I've never really gotten into um, a lot of interactive back and forth. I guess I could if, if, uh, if, if I felt that there was any interest. Um, but I haven't done anything like that, no.
0: Okay, well, we'll have your website and your book up anyway on our site so people can find you, you know. Uh, Did did you have any issues writing over the COVID period, or was that sort of uh, okay with you for writing?
1: Well, it was sort of interesting. I thought, uh, gee, you know, Shakespeare wrote during the plague, and, (laughs) you know, maybe he wrote some really good uh, plays over the plague. Supposedly, he locked himself in a house, and he wrote. Um, And I, but for some reason... COVID was not that for me. I, I, um, I, I was not speedy in writing this book. It took me, I guess, uh, uh, three years uh, to, to, to write it. Uh, and um, so I, I, w- I wouldn't say it slowed me down terribly, but uh, it also didn't speed me up. Uh, I, I, I guess I would call it a what
0: Well, what takes the time for you? Is it the actual writing of the story, or is it the research that takes most of that three years?
1: The research takes a year. I mean, I, I literally um, take a year. It's like a, taking a course, and I become uh, somewhat somewhat knowledgeable. I'm not an expert uh, about the area that I've chosen. And I, as I described to you, I go rather deep into research. Um, and um, once I've done that, and I, I, I really feel comfortable with knowing an awful lot about that time period, um, I am willing to then go to create an outline. In, you know, in writing a novel, nothing is regimented. Uh, everything is fluid. And so there are times when I'm going to go back into research. There are times when, when I'm doing the research that I'm also thinking of how I could possibly turn this into a story. So it's all rather fluid but I, I would say um one one year to research one year to do a basic uh, basic um, uh rough draft really basic uh and then finish it in a year so it's three years i guess i'm i guess that's probably uh, i i uh, covid was uh i was thinking it took me longer but that, Probably was about right three years to do a book.
0: I wonder I wonder if old Shakespeare had to deal with wearing a mask at Costco and having people fight. And just kidding.
1: <laughs> I don't even know if that story is true. I, you know, that's something <laughs> may have heard or may have read.
0: Well, you know, great books, uh, great story, and uh, glad you uh, came on to talk about them. Um, of course, now the book, the new book is called Hidden Cargo. It's a novel, and our guest is the writer of it. Uh, Robin Lloyd, uh, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thanks, Alan. My pleasure. Thanks, Robin. You've
0: been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to
1: www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? well yeah. Good night. The of with media. I'll be back.